Hello, and welcome to the Buddhist Recovery Network podcast. We are so excited to be joining you again for another year. And we are starting off January with Martine Batchelor, a celebrated meditation teacher, reminding us to make the most of this January with her New Year message on joy and appreciation. Just a reminder that Kevin Griffin will be our academy teacher at 10 a.m. Pacific time on Sunday, February 6th. For more information, please go to BuddhistRecovery.org. Now, please enjoy this podcast with Martine. I, uh, Martine is, is an inspiration for me. And recently I was just re-inspired. Just uh, one of my uh, favorite subjects is Vedana feeling tones and just really inspired by Martine's understanding around feeling tones. And let me just tell you a little bit about Martine Batchelor. She lived in Korea as a Zen nun under the guidance of Master Kusan. Um, she is the author of Meditation for Life, The Path of Compassion, Women in Korean Zen and Let Go, A Buddhist Guide to Breaking Free of Habits. She is member of the Gaia House Teacher Council. She teaches meditation retreats worldwide and lives in France. So it's quite late for Martine being with us today. Her latest work is The Spirit of the Buddha. And to find out more about Martine, please visit um, Martine's website. So it's a great pleasure uh, to be with you. And thank you for uh, kind of helping out uh, um, Vimalasara during your retreat. That's very kind of you. Uh, and in terms of the dana, all my dana will go for the recovery network because I know about changing website. So if we can help the website, I am all for it because this is always a little tricky and it's a lot of work. And so uh, again, all my warmest wishes. And um, today I think it's kind of like when I said, how do you feel? And I was saying, you know, where are you? How do you feel? Is that it's the second of January? And so we've gone through Christmas, we've gone through New Year. And some of us might enjoy this season. Some of us might really not enjoy it at all. Some might be so tired after kind of, you know, taking care of family and everything else. And other might be a little kind of, you know, so happy that it's over. And so in a way, this kind of special time are always, I would say, giving us mixed feeling. Or oh, that's what I experience often, kind of mixed feeling during this kind of traditional kind of things that we're all supposed to do something together and some more together than others. And so I felt that after such a time, we all have such a different circumstances then in a way to, to be together, I think this is so important that to be together, although it's online and to just, ah, take a breath together, take a moment together. And in a way, start the year, not with big resolution. I mean, you might have big resolution, <laughs> But personally, I would say, if you make any resolution, what is the least you can do? Not what is the most you can do. But really trying, and that's why the, the theme of the, uh, this evening is about one of the great quality the Buddha suggests to cultivate, and it's joy. And so the title is Meeting Life with Joy. And at the moment, it might be difficult for many of us to meet life with joy, uh, especially in terms of what's happening with uh, COVID-19, what's happening with Omicron, and whatever personal individual circumstances you might experience. And at the same time, 
Although life might be difficult for ourselves, our friend, our family, people around us, like the terrible fire in Boulder, and I have so many friends in Boulder, and I mean, things happen all the time. And so at the moment, it seemed like too many unpleasant, negative, painful things are happening. And at the same time, they're not happening all the time to the same degree. And so we have breathing space. Breathing space where, oh, I am okay right now. And to me, mudita, so this is a word, M-U-D-I-T-A. That's a term the Buddha used for the practice of mudita. And you could say mudita has two aspects. One is what I would call appreciative joy. So this is actually more personal. What is it I can appreciate in my life? What is it I can appreciate in my day? What is it I can appreciate right now? And at the same time, it's also mean altruistic joy. So actually, it's also a joy connected with others, connected with, in a way, the happiness of others. We, have, we are in a strange time. I mean, I don't know how much you are on uh, social media, but it's kind of so weird what suddenly kind of gets so many likes or whatever. And then how immediately people kind of compare themselves to others. Oh, they have like 200 followers or they have a million followers. And that kind of makes it in one's life. I find that so strange to be defined by that. But on the contrary, it's not about comparing. But can I rejoice with others when they are happy, when good thing happens to them without us thinking that their happiness takes something away from us, their success takes something away from us, but that we all have that ability at time to be happy, to be successful, in terms of not that we get so much likes, uh, but more that we can allow our quality, our capacity, our creativity to exist, to manifest, that there is this potential within us and that we, ex we kind of uh, manifest. I think this is very important to notice. And so what I wanted to talk about, to present is a practice. How do we practice mudita? Because when the Buddha talks about cultivating the quality, it's not just about experiencing something, but it's actually orienting towards something, remembering the possibility of something. So in a way, it's saying, like, if we take joy, it's saying joy is possible. Joy is a capacity I have. It's something I can experience. And actually, I can consciously, intentionally turn towards it. And this is, I would say, also very much connected, as Vimarasara pointed out, with the tonality. And I would say mudita, joy, is associated with pleasant tonality. It doesn't mean we always need to experience pleasant tonality, but it needs to balance when we experience unpleasant tonality. And so it's kind of recognizing. There was this wonderful story from um, somebody once wrote to me. And he said, oh, I wanted to share this with you 
because I follow your teaching and I've read your books and I was very depressed for many years. And then I heard about haikus, which are three line short Asian poems. And suddenly he had this creative moment where he thought, oh, let me create haikus. And so then instead of being kind of in a way stuck in his unpleasant tonality of this kind of being weighed down very darkly, he started to make uh, his creativity, his orientation toward every day, he would sit half an hour in nature and observe nature and then write his three line poem on something in nature that it be a flower, that it be a bird, that it be an insect, whatever it was. And so what he was sending me was a kind of a little book of all his haikus. And he said that practice totally changed the way he felt. And what he recognized is that it helps him, helped him to be with himself, but in a much more open and spacious way. So it was not just a feeling he had, but it could actually be more than just this heavy feeling by observing and by being more connected, by in a way rejoicing in nature, by connecting with nature. And that actually really changed his mood. And it was kind of for him a very revelatory practice. And for me, that was actually a practice of mudita of joy, of instead of being really burdened, which of course happens, to see that yes, I am burdened, but I am not just that. I can also look outside and be touched and be joyfully touched by what I see. And from that is all creativity, bringing some joyfulness. And so in terms of the practice, what you can do is actually you can recite three sentences, three phrases. And so I will uh, suggest some phrases. And during the guided meditation, we'll do a short guided meditation. I will use the phrases. And so this is the phrases. I'm also going to uh, write them in the chat. And so the first one is appreciating my, this, your efforts. Uh, the next one is rejoicing in my, this, your happiness or success or understanding. And then the last one is in a way being grateful for my, this, your existence or your potential. And so why uh, I am using kind of these three verbs, appreciating, rejoicing, being grateful. And I think appreciating is to really bring us to experience. And why appreciating my, this, your effort? is because often we equate effort with effect. And we think if I don't have the effect, I did not put in the effort. And so I am not good because I am not disciplined or because of this, that, or another. But personally, I would say at any given time, generally people do the best they can considering the condition. So we should appreciate our efforts even if there is no effect or little effect. I think we have to be careful here to realize I have done the best I can. So that I think is really important. And also to appreciate the effort of others. Because again, we might think, oh, but you know, they have no effect. So they did not try or they, not, they did not try hard enough but actually they try so hard. You might try very hard, but you might still not have the effect 
because sometimes conditions, especially outer condition, might not be so helpful. But still appreciating they try the best they can, considering the circumstances. And I think that's what also happened with addiction or with sticky patterns, is that at times we can really go beyond them and we're not stuck in them. And at other times, suddenly we feel stuck. But it doesn't mean because you're stuck at that moment that you're always stuck. At times you will be stuck, at other times you will be free, like Vimara Sarah pointed out with the song, being free. So we cannot be free all the time to the same degree. So it's kind of also being aware of that. Then rejoicing in your happiness, realizing, oh yeah, right now I am okay. I mean, at the moment, uh, often what I tell myself, right now, I don't have COVID. It seems to be so prevalent. And you think, well, right now, I have not got it. I might get it later. But right now, in a way, I am okay. But not just that. Since I'm okay, what can I do with that? How can I be with it? How can it help me? to be with others. Also recognizing our own wisdom, recognizing our own capacity, and also rejoicing in other happiness, in others' understanding. And that again, they're not taking anything away from us when they are happy. But on the contrary, we can rejoice in the happiness and benefit from it. And then the last one is being grateful for our existence or our potential to change, to manifest our capacity. And this is a little bit just the fact that we have this breath, we are alive. And what is it we can do with this? And sometimes we can do little and sometimes we can do a lot. And again, this totally depends on circumstances. So in a way, to me, being grateful for being alive, for this existence, for this breath, is in a way being grateful for our potential. Potential to develop, potential to change, potential to dissolve the habits that limit us but also in a way being grateful for other people's existence uh, we share with them. And even the people we have a little difficulty with, in a way be, being grateful for the fact that at some point they can change. The four qualities are important to practice in terms of you have loving kindness, you have compassion, you have appreciative, altruistic joy, and then you have equanimity. So in a way, it's kind of quality that we have already ourselves, but we can cultivate more. And in a way, the more we cultivate it, the more likely we're going to manifest it. That's what is interesting with intention and orientation. For me, mudita, I think, is important in terms of, uh, first, the Buddha said it's an antidote to envy. I also think it's an antidote to comparing mind. And it's interesting, often we compare thinking, oh, they have it better than us. And I have a worse thing and they're better than me. They're in a better situation. And I think mudita, appreciative joy, help us to see First, we don't know really the situation with the person. We might think they have something better, but actually they might have some other very difficult thing in their life. And looking at our life, what is in our life? I had a friend who was a meditation teacher and she went to do a month's retreat just on this quality. And she said before she was... Uh, she started the retreat, she kept complaining and 
my life is not working. Everybody has such better lives than me and things like that. And at the end of the month retreat on Modita, suddenly she realized all the good things that she had in her life and all the good quality she also had. So it was kind of like shifting. One could say for unpleasant tonality to pleasant tonality and through that, actually balancing uh, the two. I also think uh, mudita is important in terms of, we often think of uh, joy as something very exciting, which kind of really moves me. And I think of mudita as showing us there is a whole range of pleasant tonality, from very small pleasure to seeing a bird, from having something which really works and we're so happy that it works. And I think Mudita helps us to really increase the range of what we can appreciate and actually experience as pleasant, which again is going to balance when we experience unpleasantness and not kind of get so stuck that we think everything is unpleasant and it will always be unpleasant the more we kind of practice mudita, we can see, oh yeah, at times things are difficult. But at other times, things are not difficult. At some time I am lost and I can make mistakes, but at other time I am really not lost, I am free and I am clear. So I think it's kind of, kind of uh, really help with balancing. That's the way I see it. The thing with the quality, is that the quality, like when we do mindfulness of the breath or mindfulness of the body or any other meditation, those meditations generally helps us to calm. However, when we cultivate the qualities, loving kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity, this actually puts us more in touch with our feeling experience. And so I think what is important is that the four quality actually comes together. So the joy, we have to be careful because often what we see is what we have not done well, what we regret, what could have been better. And it's interesting in terms of the past. Because sometimes we sit in meditation and it's kind of like the past is here. And we think, if only I had not done this, if only I had done this. But personally, I would suggest that at the time in the past, we really did the best we could considering the situation. That's the first thing. Secondly, uh, as it has been kind of uh, explored scientifically, we are more aware of what is negative than what is positive. So in a way, it's very strange. You have 10 people who praise you and one person who point out a mistake or say something negative to you. And the person you will remember is the one who says something negative. And you won't remember that actually there are 10 people who say you are great and only one who say, well, you made a mistake. So we are kind of acutely sensitive to unpleasant. And because we are acutely sensitive to unpleasant, that's what we're going to remember. And so personally, I think mudita sometimes would be helpful to remember in the present, of course, what is, what is it I can appreciate right now? What am I doing well right now? Because of course I am old, but I would say I am not dead yet. So my intention being from a young age to cultivate and manifest wisdom and compassion, personally, although I am 68, I think, I can still try to the best of my ability according to circumstances to cultivate wisdom and compassion. But it doesn't mean I have always done it 
no, no, at times I kind of was lost like everybody. And at all the time, I, I can have quite a nice wisdom and compassion, but not all the time to the same degree. And sometimes you really kind of, you know, you're angry or you lost or you say something you did not want to say to that person or you behave in a way you think, oh, why did this? And I missed it and I misunderstand it. But it doesn't mean that you always missed it, misunderstand it. But of course, if we have made a mistake and we have hurt others, this is heavy on our heart. But what can re-comfort us is that we have seen it and we're not going to do it again or try not to do it again. To me, this is what is so important about noticing that I might have done this in the past. I am not doing it anymore. Or I am not doing it to the same degree. I am not doing it as long. So this is really important to see. Something can really go and you can rejoice. Ah, I am not doing this anymore. Ah, ah, this is so good. I'm not doing this anymore. And other thing, you can rejoice that before I did it for a week, now I do it for a minute. That I think is a great improvement. So in a way, really appreciating the change and the fact that there can be further change. But of course, when we start to do this practice because it puts us in touch with our feeling, we have to be careful of not going too much backward. So appreciating, yes, I might have made mistake, but if I remember a mistake, I would nearly give you this uh, practice. If you remember a mistake, can you remember at the same time or following something good you have done around the same time? Because very likely you have. But because of the kind of unbalance of our reactivity, we will generally remember what is bad and not remember what was good. And then remembering now that very likely you have developed, very likely through the practice of meditation, of mindfulness, of clarity, you actually, to some degree, or a large degree, you have changed. So you might regret the past, but not all of it, I would say. And now you can be different. I think it's so important to see that. And that's why I talk mudita is so important. So organically, experientially, you can be in the good now so that you're less, in a way, taken over by what was difficult or what was a mistake in the past. So it's kind of, again, it's bringing us back to now. Like the, the person with the haiku and just seeing a flower, in a way, Maybe a year before, he could not see the flower. And he might not have even cared about that flower. But right now, he really saw the flower and he changed him. Martine, this is um, an excellent teaching, Mudita. I mean, so often, you know, in the rooms of recovery, we, we focus on, on, on the meta but there's just something about the mudita that you've brought out that so many people in, in recovery focus on that wreckage of the past. And it's like, Oh my God, I've done so much. How can I, how can I get better? How can I heal? And, and you're reminding us that actually there are still things that we can have joy for. There's still things that we can appreciate, but I just want to um, see if we have one last question because Robert you had your hand up and you took it down. Robert, would you like to ask a question? We kind of arose in a certain milieu. We have certain experiences. And I would say a lot of the time, uh, we take certain substances or do certain things because we are suffering. 
and it's our survival mechanism. And so, of course, we might have done certain things because of certain patterns. So personally, again, I would say you, although you have possibly hurt yourself, hurt other people, I would not say you've done it all the time. I think the problem is a generalizing. I am a bad person. You might have made mistakes due to certain inner and outer circumstances. But generally, I would say one does the best one can considering the circumstances. And I think possibly we put too much emphasis. That's what I talk about effort. We put too much emphasis on you should be able to sort yourself out regardless of any external circumstances. It is not so. External, I mean, I think personally, that's one of the great teaching of the Buddha. External circumstances are really tricky and are going to really influence us. And through these external circumstances, impacting our internal circumstances, we can hurt ourselves, we can hurt others. But we can also learn not to do that. If we put ourselves, if it's possible, in better outer circumstances, which also help the inner circumstances. And of course, meditation can also help that. So I think it's kind of like, yes, history. At one level, we have to accept the past. We have to accept the past. And at the same time, to see as much as I can, to the degree I can, I am not, I'm going to try not to repeat that past if I can help myself and help others. Again, due to, according to circumstances. So maybe more of the time, I cannot repeat it. And then if again, circumstances are very intense, you might repeat it, but for a shorter time and with less intensity. Thank you so much um, for, day, for today's teaching, Martine. I just um, really hope all of us um, go away with the reminder of appreciation rejoicing and uh, the, the gratitude, the generosity, and to remember to rejoice in our existence. I think that's what I would take away from us is to rejoice in our existence. It can be so hard for us when we're in recovery not to rejoice in our existence and to appreciate the effort that we have made to come this far, you know. And to rejoice in your capacity, in your creative functioning. To me, this is what meditation is about, is to recover your creative functioning. And so may your creative functioning manifest with wisdom and compassion. Today, we reflect on the serenity prayer, a prayer that has brought comfort to many on the road of recovery. The serenity prayer is a common name for an originally untitled prayer by the American theologian Reinhold Niebuhr. It has been adopted by Alcoholics Anonymous and other 12-step programs and many other groups of people. It is sung by the songsters and the music is composed by Kate Munger, the founder of the Threshold Choir. When we move onto the road of recovery, we begin to realise the past is the past and we cannot change the past. But what we can change is the present moment. The present moment is what we have. And we need the serenity to accept the things we cannot change and the courage to change the things we can. Just listen and breathe as you hear the words being sung. 
You may even want to say the words silently to yourself or out loud. Whatever feels comfortable to you. Every time your mind wanders, gets caught up in thinking, just bring it back gently and kindly to the words being sung. So let's take a deep breath in and gently breathe out. Get yourself comfortable wherever you are and surrender to listening to the song. You can say the prayer out loud or to yourself now. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference.
This is Vimala Sara wishing you a day of wisdom, wishing you the courage to change the things you can and encouraging you to let go of the past so you can maintain your recovery the best you can. Enjoy the rest of your day. Hi, I'm Vimla Sara, President of the Buddhist Recovery Network. Our mission is to help promote the use of Buddhist teachings and practices to help people recover from the suffering caused by addictive and or compulsive behaviors. Our organization is a volunteer-run nonprofit which has expenses. We offer free monthly live teachings on the academy free resources on our website and all our podcasts are free. We also organize a bi-yearly summit where many of us come together. We rely on the generosity of you, our listeners and our interviewees in order to produce these offerings. We are asking you to donate to help with our expenses. Thank you. And to show our gratitude for your support, all Patreon supporters will receive access to special guided meditations. To unlock these, please offer your support by going to patreon.com forward slash Buddhist Recovery Network. Again, patreon.com forward slash Buddhist Recovery Network. Thank you so much for your generosity.
may all beings be free from the roots and the causes of suffering. May all beings be at peace.